Hello and welcome back to Film Festival Reviews, where you not only get an update on the latest film festival happening, but also an opportunity to meet the filmmakers as well as people who are catalysts for promoting the independent film spectrum. This is Christina Kotlar, I'm your host. Last weekend, the 14th annual Hampton Film Festival ended on a gorgeous autumn Sunday afternoon in East Hampton, New York, where I went to see the New York Women in Film and Television sidebar of short films made by women filmmakers. At a brunch to honor the filmmakers, I also had an opportunity to sit down with Terry Lawler, executive director of NYWIFT, and her take on the organization's efforts to promote women's filmmaking past, present, and future. I also uh, had a um, few moments to sit with and have a meet the filmmaker a conversation with Avery Stork whose film Live at Five presented a hilarious look at a TV news personality taking over the regulars at a local bar with a scene reminiscent of Joan Cusack's frantic tape delivery in broadcast news and then there is Kate Brown's 30 year old dream turned into animation about a bear and her dream persona taking part in an ancient tribal ritual. Ursa Dream is a visually rich and mesmerizing in its compelling narration. Interesting, both filmmakers have been in about 30 to 35 film festivals and talk about their festival planning strategies and experiences and we'll have an opportunity to hear their take on it. Alright, enjoy the show. the Hamptons and it's a beautiful October day and uh, we're, we're sitting poolside except that the pool is covered we're at Susan Steiger's house and she was very hospitable and offering her home for a brunch and I'm here with Terry Lawler executive director of New York Women in Film hey Terry hi when did you get here? I got here Friday evening. Tell me about it a little bit. What well, let's see, I went to the chairman's party on Friday evening at Stuart Suna's house, and um, there is a party with most of the sponsors and corporate contributors, and some of the filmmakers were there, so that was, that was interesting to meet people and see people there. Uh, yesterday I went to a benefit that was connected to a film that was shown yesterday afternoon about children, babies being raped and a movement to try to address that and stop that. Where was this happening? South Africa, but, oh. it, but it does happen all over the world. It doesn't matter where, but yeah. it's a horrible thing, you know, so there's a movement towards, you know, creating awareness for that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, today we have our screening, which is a screening of short films by women filmmakers who are members of women in film chapters all over the world. So we have um, several from New York City, one from New Zealand, one from Germany, one from L.A., a couple from New Zealand, looks like, yeah. I interviewed the artistic director and the shorts program director in the summertime from the Hamptons for uh, this podcast, and they were telling me about it. How did this come about? Well, uh, Denise Cassell, who's the executive director of the Hamptons Film Festival, was on our board a few years ago, and four years ago we had... I think the first year that, that Denise was on our board, we had decided to have a party honoring the women filmmakers here, and then the following year we came up with the idea of having a shorts program of films by women from our chapters around the world. So this is our third year of doing that program. And it's sold out today? 
And it's sold out, apparently. Yes, that's what I heard. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's always very well attended. It hasn't been sold out before, so that's a first, so it's great. Do you um, have sidebars like these in, in other film festivals? We haven't. We've, we've uh, co-sponsored presentations of films by women directors at other festivals like Woodstock and African-American Women in Cinema and uh, various other festivals, but we haven't had a program of shorts. They've been features one film that we've co-sponsored the presentation of. So this is our only program of shorts that we have, but it's quite popular. We also show this in the city in March for Women's History Month, and um, it's also very well attended there. So there's a, there's a group of people that are really interested in short films, and they love to go to the short film programs. So it's filling a need for them because there's very few other places you can see short films. I love short films. Uh, so I think that's just a wonderful way of getting a lot of interest going for the different filmmakers. How do you see this expanding in any way for uh, NYWIFT, this kind of programming for short films? Well, I think that we'd like to do this in other festivals and we do travel this uh, short film program around the world so various other chapters show it in their communities and sometimes they add some films by their members additional films by their members and sometimes they just show the exact program that we show here but we'll be showing this program in the city in March and then you know we will be approaching other festivals and see if there's an interest in doing the same type of program there I'm very excited about that. It's nice not to have to wait another full year until another good program comes up. So, you know, we'll, we'll see something coming up in March. And there's so many things that are happening right now. Is there something else that you want to just tell yes, me about? Yes, um, on November 20th, we're showing uh, some short films that we have preserved. We have a Women's Film Preservation Fund, and we raise money to restore and preserve films in which women have had a major creative role. We've restored films from the teens through 1980. Various films needed restoration and preservation. So we're showing a program of short films, including a film from the 70s called, actually from the 80s, called The International Sweethearts of Rhythm, which is about a 1940s all-girl jazz band, uh, plus Maya Darren's from the 40s, Maya Darren's Meditation on Violence, and from the 30s, Mary Ellen Butte's Sensations in Sound, which is um, sort of an early music video kind of piece with orchestra music and animation set to that. So that'll be really interesting, and that's at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center on November 20th. I just finished seeing the New York Film Festival at Lincoln Center. I was there for like two weeks and I know NYWIFT here in New York supports the other organizations from the different cities because I met up with Women in Film and Television in Toronto and also uh, Women in Film and Video in Washington, D.C. What other areas are you particularly strong with or do you feel that you want to get closer to? Well, we're working with UK chapter on an event that's taking place in November, which is looking at women pioneers, women who worked in the silent era in Great Britain before sound, and we're showing some uh, a tape from our Women's Film Preservation Fund there and talking about preserving the work of these women film pioneers from the silent era. Um, we also work closely with the New Zealand chapter and the Los Angeles chapter, of course, um, and there's chapters really all over the world that we work with. Could you tell me a little bit about some of the filmmakers from our area that are showing today? 
Okay, well we have um, from our chapter, a very stork is showing her live at five, and also um, Renee Alberta is showing the Saint of Avenue B. A Warm Comforting, comforting Home by Annette Apiz, also from our chapter, and Yellow Bike by Rachel Max. Those are all from our chapter being shown this afternoon. And then uh, we have people from Germany, New Zealand, New Mexico, LA. What are we going to do if it's really sold out? Because I, mean, <laughs> I, I was like prepared to just buy a ticket today, you know, walk in there. I'm going to be there waiting outside on the sidewalk asking if anybody has tickets for sale. <laughs> well, I have some vouchers, so I'm going to, when, when we go over there, when I leave here at 1 o'clock, I'll go over there and try to trade in my vouchers for tickets and see if I can get enough tickets for everybody. One thing about film festivals, and they really want people to get in there to see the films. You know, they're going to try not to turn you away or anything. And I've never been to this film festival in particular. Were you here before? Have you? Yes, I've been this? here. Yeah, I've been here for each year for four years. Oh, okay. And so this is the 14th year for the, the Hamptons Film Festival. And I had a beautiful ride in. And even though they say it's supposed to rain later on today, I don't believe it because it's blue sky. Everybody sounds like they're having a good time. Are there a lot of the filmmakers here right now? Some of them. Here? Not all of them are they're here. They're busy. You know, a lot of them get nervous before their films are shown at film festivals. But it's always good to talk to them. I love to talk to filmmakers probably after the film is shown because then they kind of the worst is over before they're just so nervous you know that how people are going to like it. is there going to be a Q&A do you know there'll be a Q&A after not all the filmmakers are here but uh, but I think all of them from New York are here and then a few from other places as well I'm looking forward to talking to them later yeah it right. will be thanks It'll a be lot great fun thank okay. you bye okay I'm with Avery Stark your movie was called Live at Five yes and at first, I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, you know, who is this guy, whatever. All of a sudden, I'm in this newscast. <laughs> this news show is hysterical. Oh, thank you. So, tell me a little bit about how you got started with it. Okay, it was my thesis film for Columbia University's film school. So, uh, I knew I wanted to do a short film, and I had written, uh, I was writing a lot of shorts, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, the film is about, is based on something that happened to me with a friend of mine. She was studying to be an anchor woman. And she one day said, hey, do you want to hear my anchor voice? And I was kind of perplexed. And, and then she sort of started reporting on things at the bar that we were at in the sort of anchor voice. And so then that, that was years ago. Years later, I'm thinking of an idea for my thesis. And I remembered this. And I thought that was kind of a funny premise. And I also liked the idea that newsworthy things can be right in front of you sometimes. That you don't always have to need, need to look for the big idea, especially as an artist. Sometimes imagination or inspiration and imagination are right in front of you. So that's where the idea came from. And this is your thesis uh, project from Columbia University. Yes. Uh, your master's degree in acting and writing. Writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, you shot this in 16. Super 16, yes. And how did that uh, get started? Because we were talking about there was some question and answer here, and, and we were talking about probably doing Someone asked, why didn't you do it in HD or video? Or right. video at first. Well, I was planning on doing it in video. And in fact, at Columbia, you learn to set up your shots, you start learning filmmaking on video, which is a great way to do trial and error. So I actually did a lot of my class projects on video, and I loved it. Then I got a, I was very lucky, I got a new one uh, development grant for a set of amount of money, and 
that pumped up the budget enough so that I was able to shoot on film. And I thought, well, let me have this experience to shoot on film once and see what it's like. And it also fit in with the with what I wanted to do with the film because my film I sort of always likened it to sort of a, a kind of a screwball old Hollywood movie. So that the film feel worked with that. So I was happy to be able to work on film for this one time. So you got this um, this grant based on your work from your your video project. Well, no, uh, did I? Yes, I. It was a, the script mostly. You put in the script. You also put in a production plan, storyboards. I, you know, in my application, I put in pictures of ideas for locations that I wanted, my director statement. I mean, it was a whole sort of package. And I also had a reel of some of my past schoolwork. That was uh, that was part of the application. I just would like to give you my <laughs> That's okay, we're rolling. <laughs> but wait, okay. No, Susan, thank you so much. We had a wonderful time at your house for brunch today. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because this is so small that people don't realize. Right, right. They think we're just talking. In a very, in a very intense way, yes. <laughs> All right, so I heard also that you were a little nervous about showing this again here. And, and you've been at how many festivals? Over 30. I think the count is 34. Uh, how, did, how did you choose their festivals? Oh, well, they choose you, actually. <laughs> no, but I mean to apply. Didn't you have, did you have you a have plan? To, yes, you apply. I applied to a lot of festivals. You know, a lot are... Um, you hear good things about, I mean, obviously the Hamptons is an amazing festival, so that's sort of, you, you know, there's a whole, there's a lot of festivals out there, and I applied to a lot, and there's a sort of an online without, it's called Without a Box, and that's a very efficient way to apply. There's also, you know, you also have these sort of your festivals that you'd like to go to, either based on the films that they show, their reputation, maybe you knew someone who showed there, whatever reason. So I applied, you know, to a lot, and, um... I attended a lot of them, not all of them, it's just too expensive to apply all. Of course, I, the Hamptons, I live in New York, so I was going to come here, and this is a fantastic festival, so I'm, I was so happy to be in an all-women director's did program. You, did you apply to this one because it, through New York Women in Film? I did, yes. It was through New York, and I'm a new member, which is great. Two of my good friends are members, and they said, you know, I just graduated from Columbia in May. and. Uh, they said, listen, now that you've graduated, think about joining an organization. And I loved it because I crew with a lot of women. A lot of my, one of the reasons I chose Columbia is because I think they're very good for women writer-directors. I think they support their female students, as I'm sure a lot of other film schools do. But I, I was, my experience was with Columbia. And I wanted to join, so I joined New York Women. They sponsored me. I'm so happy to be here. And then they sent this email out saying, apply to the Hamptons through us. And I did, and I'm, you know, thrilled. Yeah, because I had a conversation with uh, Terry Lawler, who's the executive director of uh, New York Women in Film, and we were just talking about the sidebar, and it's a great uh, great kind of package yeah. of, of women's directors and stories and actors and everything, and I just loved it. I loved the whole... Uh, yeah, I thought the program was fantastic, and I love that you see all these different women with all these different voices, you know, and some were funny, some were dramatic. There was some animation. There was one amazing, the sort of the visually arresting last film. I mean, I think that there were... It's just, the, the I saw that voices one. I saw that one somewhere before, and I can't it's remember hilarious. where. It was I loved it. So, I mean, they're all—they were all so good, and um, it just shows the diversity of women's voices. And it's hard. It's hard, you know, being a female director, writer, director. It's, it's still a little difficult. So, this is an amazing opportunity. Do you have plans for your next film? I do. I'm. Uh, 
finishing two scripts, two features. And so next I'd like to, you know, obviously get the scripts in the right hands and get have my first feature off the ground. And I'm, it's in the works, let's put it that way. I'm in the works of trying to get my next, my first feature off the ground. We're sitting here just outside, there's a long line and you were so stressed before uh, the showing of the film. Is that how you feel every time the film gets, uh, gets ready to be shown? Yeah, you get a little you know, bit nervous? It's funny, like I said, I've done the festival circuit. I've seen my film a thousand times and uh, I still get really nervous right before it goes up and my husband always laughs at me he said you know it's it's on film it's not going to change it's you it's a known quantity you know what's what, what's going to happen you know how it's going to end you know, it's not theater because my husband's a theater director and that is you know that's new every night new and different it's recreated every night and um but still you get a little nervous you know audience reaction mine's a comedy you want people to laugh and enjoy it and also there's that great magic feeling of oh it's the lights are down and your movie's about to come up and it's the fruition of all your work and that's just a lovely sort of nervous excitement well congratulations again thank you, know? you very much and i look forward to so this is the end of your festival run pretty much yeah i finished it a year ago and this is i've sort of done the year and this is a fantastic way to end this festival and this program good for you i hope uh, somebody comes along and says hey i love your stuff and uh, i want to put on this compilation and then, yeah. uh, uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> We're on TV. I, I'll, I'll take all comers are welcome. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm going to be in a situation like that. I just know it. You know, people are going to look at me. It's like, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm interviewing someone <laughs> for film festival reviews. Okay, thanks so well, much. Thank you so much. Big and moving. It just doesn't. Well, these are it's too slow. Oh, it's just too slow. too slow. Where do you live? I live in southwestern New Mexico. I live almost to Mexico. Oh, Kate Brown, director, animator, narrator, and I just love your film Ursa Dream. Thank you. And you're telling us because uh, we're sitting there for the question and answer that this came to you in a dream. Could yes. you tell me how? How can you remember a dream from 30 years ago? Uh, well, it was a powerful dream. I was one of the. Uh, it, I was, as I said, I was having a very, very dire time. I needed something to get me out of there, and uh, so this dream propelled me out of a very bad situation. And uh, but there were so many permutations of it. It just it kind of stuck, and I found myself really thinking about it for many years and then I realized, I mean, this is not to be, you know, not being conceited or anything, but I have a really lively mind and I figured if I was still thinking about it for all those years, that it probably would be interesting to other people too. And uh, so I decided to tell a story uh, in, the, in the animation. Now, did you actively go out and learn animation because of this? Yeah, well, or it through seemed, this? Looking back on it, I think that's what I was really doing. I didn't understand that's what I was doing until I was in the middle of it and then I thought, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is why I did this. Because you're a potter. You I'm do a potter. And the thing that's... But you're artistic yeah, and everything and yeah. very visual and yeah. as you said, you use uh, some of that black line or whatever from pottery, right. from the ceramics yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. here. And um, I got pretty burnt out about five or six years ago and needed another direction for for a while and I got a, some really good commissions that allowed me to take uh, take a one year leave of absence from my 
for my life. So the place I went was kind of dictated by some other family responsibilities. But it turned out that the, the program there that was most interesting to me was um, animation. And I hadn't, I hadn't understood that that's what was going to interest me. But then when I think back on it, you know, I make um, a series of, of pieces, and they are all similar. So I sort of see them as a, um, a population. And each individual is kind of an expression of that particular gene or DNA or whatever you want to say. So that each one of them doesn't necessarily have a specifically own individual existence, except that it's a member of a population. It's an expression that may be very beautiful expression, maybe sort of a plain one. It might be actually even sort of deformed, but it's an expression of a particular idea. So translating that into a timeline, so, so that it, 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 for me it seemed like a very logical progression that each piece of pottery became a frame of animation, and so I tried to trade the dimension of depth for the dimension of time. <laughs> I know this is a little esoteric, but this is how it felt, this is what it feels like to me. It feels like a very logical progression. It doesn't feel like a departure. So, I don't know if that makes any sense No, to it does. I just, I fell in love with it. I, I felt like I was, you know, thinking about some of the dreams I've had and saying, how could you translate it? Exactly. You're always thinking about how do you translate this? And just so engrossed with the story and just following. And I just did an interview with Bill Plimpton last week. Oh, really? Yes. And I went to uh, be filmed in New York. Where does he work? He's out of New York, uh -huh. New York City, and he just had a new new feature film out called Hair High, of a gothic 1950s story. He has a warped sense of humor, but it's so funny, devilishly funny, and, and he's such a nice man. And he came out every night and drawing little sketches for people, and he had cheerleaders and all kinds of things, all kinds of fun stuff. So he really does a lot of promoting of his, of his film, and he did a, a follow-up to his guard dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did right. guide dog. Right. So this kind of reminded me of it a little uh -huh, bit, you uh -huh. know, I mean, what you're doing. And I'm thinking, I just saw this stuff and it was so cool. And, and my friend that shows uh, short films and, and it was an animation series. And that's where I met Bill. And all of a sudden I'm meeting you. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to start doing it, thinking about doing an animation. Here, it's know. very engrossing. It's very engaging. You, you, you saw the other little tiny, the little one about the yellow bike. That's very easy to do. I'm not maybe. I mean, that was very accomplished. But that particular technique is very accessible. Well, it's uh, it's cutouts. Cut yeah, cutouts, cut collages. Yeah, favorite cutouts. You just move, you know, you move it along and take a little piece of tweezers and you, you knock it. And then you use now. I used a digital still camera. A digital still camera. And then uh, took all, edited all those images and then built it frame by frame on Final Cut Pro. How long did that take you to do frame by frame? Because I know Bill draws all the time and he does maybe like 30,000 drawings yeah. per yeah. for an animation. Yeah. So is that comparable to what you're... Um, well, if you notice, mine has a number of still images, like all those bare... All those bare are stills and that's one so that's one image held for you know a certain number of frames I think maybe each of those is maybe 15 frames maybe half a second maybe more than that I can't really remember but um, and then for me since I'm a beginner I had to do many many drafts of all of the movement because I'm not I'm not experienced I'm just learning so it took me a long time to get the movement right and it's also it's 
pretty crude. I mean, it, it reads as actual movement because the story is so, I think it's because the narrative is so compelling and so the story is kind of, it's a strong story. It is. It's a no, really strong Absolutely. Story. Now, this is not your first film festival. My, oh, no, no. I've actually been in about uh, 30 film festivals. With this film? With this film, yeah. And this is your first animation? This is my first animation. How did you choose the film festivals to enter? I mean, uh, did you have a plan question. of that uh, also? I didn't know what I was doing at all, and so I wasted a lot of money applying to festivals that were not um, interested. I mean, who knows? It's a, I, I understand. I've been an artist long enough. You don't take it personally. It's a crapshoot. Once you enter something, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what kind of theme they have. So I, I interview a lot of festival directors and programmers, and it's a, that's what they say. They don't have a criteria for the most part, but when they see something, they know it. Mm -hmm. With film festivals trying to figure out, being in a position like that, yeah, where do you start? Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to help people out that way a little bit, and also without a box. Without a box. Oh, without a box. Absolutely without a box. Um, <laughs> Recently, it's sort of come down to, let's see, $15 or entry fee or under is kind of how it's come down to in recent months, because I can't, I can't, I just can't right. support it. Right, no, and, it, and trying to get there also, yeah. because no, it really know. is so... Well, this I is so powerful. This is so powerful for having yeah. the the filmmakers here for the Q and A. It really yeah. is, you know, for the audience and everything. I had one. I, uh, there's a wonderful festival in Port Townsend, Washington. That actually, they were they were so generous to me. That town just opens there. They, you know, you stay in people's houses and they have cars driving you around and blah 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 blah. But anyway, I did a Q and A there, and it was almost like I had chills in the audience. Ask me about. You know, they were asking me the, the exact questions I wanted to speak to. That was a great experience. Yeah, that, that really must have been, you know, you're just concentrating awesome. on those people. It must have been the their dream coming out on them. They got really uh, turned on and it was really fun. So, that was amazing. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll see you back. Okay, all right. Um, That's a fan. Yeah, I got some fans. It's kind of amazing. No, it's um, wonderful. I just want to say this is the beginning. This is the first piece of a trilogy. So now I have. I'm not going to give away the. People haven't seen it and want to see it. I don't want to give away the ending, but it, the next piece starts where it, this one ends. So it'll be about her next. What what happens to her after this? Oh, good for you. Experience. Good for you. Good luck with that. I, I look forward to uh, yeah. finding out more, and I'll stay in touch with you here and and kind of keep involved with the uh, the website because that's how it's it starts. To you. I need to, I have made some of these and I need to have, the, I don't have any way to get them out there except for this, so I'm going to give this to you. Thank you. And if you have any, you know, if, it, if, it, if you can take it someplace that they might be interested in seeing it, I would really appreciate that. Absolutely. I do have a couple of people that I have in mind that I absolutely want them to see this, all right? So, uh, it's very nice meeting you. You're here for how long yet? I'm here until tomorrow. Until tomorrow, and then you're heading back to... Oh, then for a couple days. Thank you. I'm going to shut this down, all right? Yeah. Okay. As I said in my conversation with Kate, and that goes back to Bill Plimpton's stories, I think I'm going to have to think about my story and maybe get started on animation. Keep an eye out for that, but it probably won't be for a long time. Okay. This week at the Film Forum in New York City, showcasing social justice and human rights documentaries made with support from the Soros Sundance Documentary Fund, the 
Open Society Institute and the Sundance Institute present a 10th anniversary film series this Thursday with a series of 17 of the most provocative documentaries. October 26th to Sunday, October 29th at the Film Forum located 209 West Houston Street between 6th Avenue and Varick Street. Created in 1996 by the Open Society Institute, the Soros Documentary Fund supported documentary films that focused on human rights, freedom of expression, social justices, and several liberties. In 2001, the fund became part of the Sundance Institute, where it's a core element of the Institute's long-standing commitment to the development and exhibition of documentary film. Tickets to all the screenings are $5.50 and can be purchased online anytime at the Film Forum box office in the day of the show. And to purchase tickets online, go to www.filmforum.org films slash sorrows. I'll be floating around in and out over the time period between Thursday and Sunday. I'm sure I'll have some great interviews with the filmmakers over the weekend. So check it out from Thursday to Sunday. Also, uh, take the opportunity to catch up on past film festivals as well as schedules for the upcoming film festivals on filmfestivalreviews.com. And as always, we'll catch up with you again next time. Thanks for listening.